Today is a special day in the life of Bethel Baptist Church, but especially in the life of these two men, that they have been called out by God, and they exhibit the signs and uh, characteristics, the qualifications of deacons. And so uh, we are excited today uh, as we ordain them. I'm thankful for the privilege and opportunity uh, to be a part of their ordination. I will tell you that it has also been a privilege and, and honor uh, to get to know these two men over the last uh, few months. Uh, I'll start first with Kyle. Um, man, sometimes I wonder, like, we have brotherhood every month, and I'm like, you know, what what difference does brotherhood make, right? A bunch of men getting together, eating food, and you got a devotional. Well, what I learned recently about a couple months ago was that it was after a brotherhood meeting that Kyle gave his life to Christ. Amen? And so sometimes when we wonder the things that we do, the events that we have, you know, what's what's happening. And so, Kyle, thank you for sharing a little bit of your story, uh, some of the struggles that you've had, some of the adventures that you've been through, and, and what God has ultimately been doing in your life. And Mr. Johnny, man, let me tell you what, um, it, it has been, it has been a privilege to get to know you a little bit. I will tell you one thing that I appreciate about Mr. Johnny is that that joker always has a smile, Amen. Like whenever you see him, he's going to brighten up the room. And I had an opportunity to kind of have a conversation with him this week. And I was just curious. I was like, you know, he, he told me he's been in church. Uh, he gave his life to Christ and he was baptized in 1977. Well, that's, that's, been, a, that's been quite a while since 1977 to be active in church. And I'm like, how did they not pick you to be a deacon thus far? And you know what he told me? He said that he was so bu- busy in his business that he wasn't going to do it if it couldn't be done right. And so now he's in a different season in his life. And so, Mr. Johnny, thank you for just your faithfulness and attending and growing in the Lord. And I look forward to what he's going to do in both of your lives as you take this next step uh, into uh, being deacons. Amen. If you guys will, take your copy of the Word and turn over to the book of Acts. This morning as we, uh, as we look here as we talk about ordaining two men, we have to look back at uh, the book of Acts, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. If you ever really kind of want to know what's happening and uh, want to have a a baseline of what what we're supposed to be doing in church, we look to the book of Acts. It's the first historical book there in um, book of history in the New Testament. And so it's a great picture of what we're, we're to be about. And so this morning as we look at Acts chapter 6, I just want to remind you as we read this, and, and I was kind of reminded late in the week that this is an example uh, that, that not all these, the story that we're reading this morning, this is not necessarily deacons, but this is where we, this is the, ba- the base, the foundation of where we get the process and procedure of how we call out deacons. And so I want you to look with me uh, in your copy of God's Word. Let's look in the book of Acts, starting in verse 1, we'll go through verse 7. <coughs> Now, in, the, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, 
full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they had said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Stephen, they chose Stephen and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Verse 7, And the word of God continued to spread, continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Thus saith the word of the Lord. So here as we look, the book of Acts, we see what's happening. So just to kind of step very quickly through kind of the history of what you see here. Now in these days, the disciples were increasing in number and a complaint from the Hellenists or the Greek-speaking believers arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. In essence, as they came together for that daily food line, they were being neglected. Scripture says that we're to what? That we're to care for the widows and the orphans. As we do unto the least of these, we do as unto Christ. And so these... um, These Hellenists, these Greek-speaking believers were, you know, they were, had their feathers ruffled a little bit because their widows were being neglected in that distribution. Verse 2, and so the 12 disciples, they summoned the full number of all the disciples, and they said, now listen, so we get a picture of what the disciples' job is. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. So first and foremost, as the disciples, as elders, as pastors, our job is first and foremost to preach and teach God's Word, to study, to preach and teach God's Word. And and I want to just kind of take a side note really quick about this notion of serving tables. I I will speak first and foremost for myself that I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself, right? I believe in servant leadership, that Jesus came to serve, not be served. And so I am willing to take a step and willing to serve and jump in the trenches and, and get dirty, get sweaty with the best of you guys and you ladies. And I think the same could be said as you've seen over the last few months of Pastor Austin. He, he's not afraid of work. He, he's not afraid of hard work. He's not afraid of getting in there and, and, and getting that elbow grease or, you know, serving. And so... If service is beneath you, then leadership, how does that saying go? If service is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you, right? I mean, whether it's deacons, whether it's pastors, whatever a leader is, if you're not willing to serve, then you really should not carry that title of leader. And so verse 3, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, in essence, of good reputation. You see, these were men of godly character and moral integrity. These were trustworthy men. 
Not only were they supposed to be trustworthy, not only were they supposed to be full of integrity, full of godly character, but then look at what we see. So if, if you're looking for a picture of what a deacon should be, that there should be godly character, there should be integrity, there should be trustworthiness. But then they should be full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit of God. And then wisdom. Not wisdom and then the Spirit of God, but wisdom comes from God. Amen? of whom we will appoint this duty. In essence, we'll give them this responsibility. <clears throat> Verse 4, but we will devote to ourselves, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That is first and foremost the job of an elder or a pastor is to be is to be focused on praying for God's clarity to be praying that the Holy Spirit fills them, that he guides them, and then also just the ministry of the word, that the ministry of word would play out. I mean, look at what we see about Stephen. I mean, what about you? I love, see, as we read scripture, I want to show you in verse 5, what does it say about Stephen? That Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say anything else about any of those other six men. But we learn from what we see of Stephen that he was one that was called out, he was one that was chosen, and that he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Now, what's also interesting about this particular passage in verse 5 is that all of the men here have Greek names. And so why is that important? It's important because as a community of believers, we need to act in... in, to ensure the care for those outside its original social and cultural bounds. So listen, those who were previously marginalized were now appointed to leadership from the same background. And so as I think this morning about Brother Johnny, Brother Johnny has a background in business, right? He was a businessman. So he knows other businessmen and in the business community. I believe that that a deacon body, a deacon board, should be a well-rounded board, a board of a variety of backgrounds. For example, I've been in some churches, and one thing I'm thankful of, for example, like with Kyle, Kyle, where his background is he loves to hang out at the racetrack. So, man, if you got something that's mechanical, you know, where he works at in his daily job, he's dealing with truck drivers and laborers. Right, He can speak into that environment. He can bring wisdom and insight from what he knows there into to the table. See, I, I've been a part of churches to where you know, you've had men, and I'm thankful that Bethel's deacon board, deacon body, is a very diverse group. Because as those men come together, and as they're praying and as they're serving, you need people of various backgrounds. I've been in some churches where, you know, they didn't have anybody who had young families. But now when we're talking about young families and we're, and we're dreaming and praying and asking God, what is it that Bethel needs to be doing, then, then Kyle, can, he has a family. He has small children. So as he comes to the table within that group, he's going to represent them. Amen? And so just like Mr. Johnny, as I talked to him this week, he was headed to the church to meet a plumber. Right? So as you'll see later, he's taking some of the burden of, of the things that have to be done in ministry off of Austin. That's what a deacon is supposed to do. They're first and foremost a servant. They're, they're a helper. They come alongside of the pastor and join them. 
And then as you see in Scripture that, um, <clears throat> that they prayed, they laid their hands on them and prayed for them. We're, we're going to do that here in just a few minutes. We're going to ask these men and their wives to come, and, and we're going to pray over them, and we're going to ask God's blessing on them, and that he would fill them with wisdom, understanding, clarity, grace. So let's talk about this really quick. As we see here, in, um, as we talk about the word deacon or deaconos, that Greek word appears 29 times in the New Testament, and it is almost always translated as servants or ministers. And so what are deacons? So I want to just kind of go through based off of Acts 6, and I want to give you about five points really quickly of what deacons are. First and foremost, they're chosen. They're chosen. They're chosen from amongst the fellowship. They're chosen by the other leaders and the elders. They should be vetted. Amen. As we talked about, look at verse 3, that they're to be men of godly character, of moral integrity. They're to be trustworthy. They're to have a good reputation. They're to be good. They're to be full of the Spirit. They're to be full of wisdom. So they're chosen. They're called out. Secondly, they're to be men of godly character. Third, they're to be humble. They're to empty themselves. As, as I've said, I've prayed, as we see in the New Testament, that, that one of the disciples said that, that I must decrease and he must increase, right? That we've got to humble ourselves and, 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 and rid ourselves of ourselves and be filled with the Spirit. That we've got to be filled, that our deacons have to be filled with the Spirit and us as believers, Fourth, they have to have a consistent relationship with Jesus. If we're going to be full of the Spirit, then that's going to take a consistent relationship with Jesus. Amen? Because we're not going to be full of the Spirit on our own. Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We've got to be seeking Christ first and foremost. And then lastly, deacons are what? They're to serve and to be an example. Listen, you're called to be a servant, not a boss. Jesus came to serve and not be served. As I think this morning about an example, as I think about, uh, about this, about an example, I'll never forget one time at church we, we had this uh, fellowship, we had this function, and we had a, a church-wide meal. We were all eating, and so we had pitchers, right, like pitchers that you pour um, drinks out of. And so I went in the kitchen and I got a pitch, got two pitchers, one for water and one for sweet tea. And I began to go around, and as people were eating, so that they could enjoy the fellowship with one another and not have to get up, I began to just refill beverages, right? Refill tea, refill water. And people were, thank you. We need to leave, you know, we're going to leave you a tip. I said, no, just leave it in the offering plate, amen? I don't need a tip. Just leave it in the offering plate. It's God's. Leave it for him. And I'll never forget, y'all, that there was an older gentleman. He was probably old enough to be my grandfather. He came up to me when I went back to refill as I was refilling, and he looked at me and he said, we never thought about doing that. What? You're, you're the one supposed to be, whether you're a deacon or not, each and every one of you are to be an example for those around you and especially for those coming after you. And that's just a story that is stuck and lodged in my heart, in my mind, because I wanted to look at him and say, you're, you're supposed to be setting an example for me, not the other way around. So you're to be an example and you're to serve. Listen, as we think this morning about what does it mean to, 
to be a deacon? What does what a deacon ministry look like? What does that involve? There's a, there's a ministry called Nine Marks. It's ninemarks.org. And they really just have a lot of great information about you know, deacon ministry and prayer and small groups. And so listen to what they said about, uh, about deacons. They said the pattern established in Acts 6, which we are studying this morning, with the apostles and the seven, they are to care for the physical and the temporal concerns of the church. By handling such matters, deacons free up the elders or pastors, those two words can be interchanged, to focus on shepherding the spiritual needs of the congregation. As we see in this passage, the Bible charges elders with the task um, of teaching and leading the church, whereas the deacon's role is more service oriented. Friends this morning, Johnny, Kyle, I'll never forget sitting under my home church pastor, uh, Jimmy Holly, when I began to grow and I rededicated my life to Christ. And I remember sitting in a, in a service just like this. And he talked about something. He pressed this on me. He said, the call of a deacon is just that of a pastor or an elder, pastor, an elder, and a deacon. Now I want you to think about, now y'all haven't been in a lot of different churches like we have in a lot of different ministries. Maybe you've been around town and you've seen some men. But pastor, elder, a deacon. That call is, is right there, right below that. And sometimes I wonder, from the example of deacons that I've seen, I don't know that I see that call and that seriousness in their life. And that's sad. You're chosen. You're called out. And so, deacon, I mean, me and, and, and uh, Pastor Austin and I, elder, pastor, and a deacon. I mean, it's right there. That call, the only difference, men, is the Bible doesn't require you to be able to, to preach and teach, right? But everything else, all the qualifications, all the requirements are, are just the same. So that call is very close. So even though deacons are not the congregation's spiritual leaders, their character is utmost important, which is why deacons should be examined and held to the biblical qualifications laid out in 1 Timothy 3. You see, listen, the New Testament, I want you to hear this, the New Testament focuses more on the character than the duties of deacons. See, as a Baptist church, we're autonomous. And so whatever requirements, whatever uh, duties that we want the, the church assigns for the deacons, those are assigned. Those have been discussed. Those have been talked about. But really, we should focus more on the character than the duties. They're to be worthy of respect in their speech, their use of alcohol, the handling of finances, their marriages, and the management of their homes. You see, friends, when we understand the meaning and the role of deacons, and they're, in, they're deployed into service, the work of the church and the kingdom here on earth, then they are an irreplaceable gift to Christ's church. Right? When we truly understand what it is that a deacon is called to be, that a deacon is asked to be, and when they're set forth and they serve, that it is an irreplaceable gift to Christ's church. We also, listen to this, we rob ourselves of the benefits of God's revealed wisdom when we either unduly elevate the role of deacons, say, to the de facto elders, or we unduly reduce their role, say, to glorified janitor, janitors or menial labors. So there, there's some, where's that sweet spot, right? They're not elders, 
And they're not menial laborers, but where are they? They are servants. They're examples. In essence, as we've talked about over and over again, deacons are door holders. They, they've experienced Christ, and now they stand to hold the door so that others can experience Christ. They're the example for others to follow when it comes to service. They are to be model servants who excel in being attentive and responsive to the tangible needs of the church. What are some ways that deacons can serve? Well, here are a few. They assist the elders in various needs. They guard the ministry of the word. They organize service and helps ministries. They care for the needy and the widows. They preserve unity. And they mobilize ministry. So as I was as I was reading, as I was studying and, and trying to like just pray over this passage and, and just look at what it means to be a deacon, I ran across this list. And so I want to share this with you. What does it mean to be a deacon? Men, what does it mean to be a deacon? Church, as you listen to this, some of you are deacons who have served in the past. Maybe you're on a break right now. Maybe some of you are serving right now as deacons. What does it mean to be a deacon? Well, first, you're to love God. You're to love the Lord above all, and you're to be obedient to his call in and on your life. You're to love others. You're to love others as you love yourself. Mark and Matthew, that we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. You're to love others. Philippians 2.3 reminds us that we're to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. So we're to love, deacons are to love God and they're to love others. Deacons are to look and to listen. They're to look and to listen. They're to look around and see who needs help. And they're to help some. Can they help everybody? No. But as Andy Stanley says this, and I love this quote, he says, and, and this is the world we live in, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Right? We hold back, oh, you know, let's say Kendall baked 12 cupcakes and, and we took it to our small group, you know? And, and she holds back and, and Kyle comes up and Kyle says, man, I really love that cupcake. That was good. I'm not supposed to eat this because I have diabetes, but this is a special cupcake, so... I get another one, and what's Kendall going to say? Well, she's probably going to say no because she has diabetes too, but she might say, well, I need to save this in case, what, somebody else comes. What happens a lot of time? That other person doesn't come. It's what happens to the cupcake. It probably goes to waste. So do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Look around and see who needs help and help some. Listen, you've got to listen You've got to be listening. Listen to God and to listen to others. As I've told you over and over again, God speaks through four ways. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through uh, other people. And he speaks through your circumstances. Deacons, men of God, you've got to be looking and listening. Next, you've got to, a deacon is to labor for the Lord. Men that are deacons, and, and, and Kyle and Johnny this morning, People need the Lord. They need hope. They need healing. They need life. 
Are you willing to take him to them? Deacons are to lift up their voice in prayer. They're to pray for the people, for the other deacons, for the other leaders, for the pastor, for one another, for their circle, for their community. They're to be men of prayer. And listen, Kyle, Johnny, let me tell you this. Just remove this weight from yourself. Leave the results to God. Leave the results to God. He will save. He will change people. He will multiply and increase his church. John, pull up for me verse 7 again. Look at this. As we looked at at, uh, Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, and what does it say? And the word of God continued to increase and spread. And look, and the numbers of disciples multiplied greatly. It doesn't say that the ministries increased. It doesn't say that the membership increased. But it's the word of God increased. When we, when we will surrender that and make much of Jesus in our lives, that's what it's about. Amen? We're to leave the results to God. Now, before I have our, our final challenge and uh, charge to you guys this morning, man, I want to just speak to you about this. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So be faithful. Be faithful to Christ. John 15, 4 through 5, as I thought about being faithful, Jesus says what? Abide, remain in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide, remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For listen, for apart from me you can do nothing. Amen? We can do nothing apart from Christ. So men, be faithful to Christ. And then I was encouraged by my pastor friend, Pastor Ron Taylor, as we were talking about deacons recently, and he he pointed me over to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to read a few verses from there really quickly. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is and do not be drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to god the father in the name of the lord jesus christ Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So men, be faithful to Christ. Be faithful to his to your wife. What does verse 22 say? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
So men, be faithful to Christ, be faithful to your wife, be faithful to your children, and be faithful to the church. Don't get those things out of order, amen? That we're to be faithful to Christ first and foremost, to our wife, then our children, and then to the church. Man, if I could have y'all, if you would just stand right there where you are, uh, Johnny and Kyle, if y'all will stand. And I want to ask you uh, a couple questions. As you commit yourself before the Lord and these people, are you sure of your salvation and have a personal relationship with Christ? If you do, say, I am. Are you living a committed Christian life? If so, say, I am. Can you work alongside the pastors here at Bethel and the other deacons in a supportive way? If you can, say, I will. Can you keep confidences? If you can, say, I will. Will you commit to help guard the unity and spirit of harmony among our leaders and our people? If so, say, I will. Amen. Amen. All right. If y'all will give us just a second. If they're wise, would go ahead and come forward for us, please. Oh, y'all come right here on this side. If y'all go right here, we're going to ask all of uh, the men who are ordained, uh, whether it be pastor or uh, deacon, whether they're serving or not, if you will, uh, we're going to ask you at this time, we're going to do the laying of hands, just like scripture. What did you see? That these men are called out, that they are to be full of the spirit, and that we're going to pray over them and pray God's blessing and, and wisdom that he may give them. Amen. So this time we're going to uh, take part in the laying of hands of, of these men and their wives as they take this next step into uh, being deacons.